Are you ready for the latest Habs news, passionate debate, and in-depth analysis from hockey experts around the league? It's the most informative and interactive podcast about the Montreal Canadiens. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast, featured on allhabs.net, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. How's it going, Habs fans? Happy to be back for another episode of the Canadians Connection Podcast. Episode 25 of the Canadian Connection podcast, the Vincent Damfus edition. And uh, I'm happy to be joined, making his return to the podcast after a week-long absence. It was the uh, Vinny Damfus to my Chad Kilger, Mr. Rick Stevens. How's it going, Rick? I'm doing great. Um, you know who is my number, uh, favorite number 25? That would Who's be that? Jacques Lemaire. Uh, love that. Ah. Love that guy. Yeah. He was he was in the running. He was in the running, and I, I ultimately went for uh, Danfus. I, I I was thinking that you might say that, so that's why I was leaning potentially towards Lemaire. But in the end, I went with uh, went, went with Danfus, who uh, I suppose isn't a bad choice. I, I don't know. Oh, it's, I, I no, it's a it's a, it's a great choice. <laughs> it's, At least it's, it's not Doug Wickenheiser, right? Yes, exactly. And that's who I was going to say that I that that was going to be me. And I went with Chad Coder. <laughs> I thought that. We bring up a little bit more of a, you know, at least at least there isn't that much a bad kind of a, with a, with Doug Wickenheiser we got that kind of bad connotation. So with with Kilger, it will leave it up in the air a little bit. Might be. A, I like might Kilger. Be a he, there's a Winnipeg connection. Yeah. There, so uh, exactly. Yeah. You know, good good guy. So anyways. Uh, well, thanks for the welcome back. And and yes. Uh, yes, I'm still on the road, but uh, I'm I'm back behind the microphone this week. And but I did want to say that uh, you did a great job hosting uh, last week, ah. uh, and uh, also a big thank you to uh, Chris G, um, who uh, helps us out behind the scenes uh, with this with Canadians Connection podcast, and also for the very first time on this show was uh, was Gibby from the Have a Listen uh, podcast. We'll have his uh his sidekick uh Lewis on in, in a future episode, but Gibby was great and uh and yeah. thank you guys for segment two and really enjoyed um really enjoyed last week listening to last week's podcast. It was a great discussion. I I like to thank those two guys, those two gentlemen once again for joining me. And uh I'm glad that I didn't burn everything down while you were away so you have a podcast <laughs> to return to. Uh so uh I I guess without any further ado we thank those uh, those guys for joining us, and we got all of our uh, our welcomes back into the mix. Let's let's look at the Montreal Canadiens week uh, very briefly before we dive in with some winners and losers. Um, so predictably, it was a little bit of a difficult week for the Montreal Canadiens. Just looking at their schedule, you go back to last week after we finished after we wrapped up our show. They faced the Pittsburgh Penguins at home, and they lose five to one. That was the second night of a back-to-back after their 4-2 victory over the New York Rangers the night before. Then they head out on the road, the dreaded West Coast road trip. They actually get off to a good start with a 3-1 win over the LA, uh, the LA Kings, and uh, unfortunately, they uh, followed that up with a with a back-to-back. Uh, San Jose and Anaheim. They lost against San Jose 5-1, and then last night a uh, humiliating 8-2 lashing at the hands of the. Uh, Anaheim Ducks. Uh, so that was not a great week for the Montreal Canadiens. 
And it kind of ties into the, obviously, at this point in the season with the playoff race. Indeed, it does. And um, that's why we've, um, our, our question of the week this week is about, uh, is about the California road trip. Um, and in your opinion, uh, did the, has the California road trip uh, affected the uh, Canadians' playoff chances? Has it hurt the ca- Canadians' playoff chances? Uh, we want to hear from you. So uh, be sure if you're on Twitter, uh, tweet at us, uh, the, the um, Canadians Connection uh, Twitter uh, account is Habs Connection. Uh, if you want to call in and, uh, and be featured on the show while we're on the air, remember this is a live show uh, every Saturday at 1 o'clock. You can listen um, whenever you like on demand, but uh, we're live. And uh, you can call us at 213-943-3754. 213-943-3754 or anytime. Again, if you're listening on demand, just text us. 5853 Rocket. That's 5853 Rocket. So yes, the you know, the what what were what are the, the playoff ramifications of uh the West Coast uh trip? Um the Canadians uh are are still clinging on as we speak to that uh Wild card spot, um, and uh, uh, with with seventy nine points, uh, they're sitting for that wild card spot. Uh, now the the Canadians and Carolina have seventy one points, uh, Pittsburgh at eighty one, and Columbus with seventy seven. And as we've said uh, for a couple weeks now, those four teams are will be going for three playoff spots. One will be on the outside looking in when the playoffs do begin. Um, and by the time the Canadians next play, which is Tuesday against the Detroit Red Wings, we'll have a better idea because all, uh, right now, um, Pittsburgh, Carolina, and uh, and Columbus um, each have two games in hand, and they will have played those games. And will the Canadians get, get bumped out um, of the playoffs? Um, we mentioned Chris G., one of his... Uh, favorite websites in the whole wide wide world when he was doing the Habs 360 podcast was sports club stats, uh, which uh, predicts, gives you the probability of, of teams um, making the playoffs. And if we look right now at uh, sports club stats, um, the, and, and those teams that we mentioned, um, Pittsburgh is, uh, has an, uh, according to sports club stats, a 97.3, percent chance of making the playoffs um carolina at 84.5 percent columbus uh 60.7 and the montreal canadians at just 52 percent um want a different view you want to you want you think that checking out different (laughs) stats will help um are you looking for any reason to to do that well if you go to uh, the athletic who also does this sort of thing um, the Canadians at, at an even 50% chance to make the playoffs with the other teams above. So basically, uh, right now, um, the Canadians have a f- coin flips chance of making the playoffs. And, and that's not, uh, as we recall, um, you know, some of, the, some of the fans were getting pretty excited a few weeks back when they were talking about leapfrogging over Boston and Toronto and um, – yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, 
it's been difficult since then. And now um, just a, just a coin flips chance of, of making the playoffs for the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. And I mean, when you look at the, when you look at the Metro division compared to the Atlantic, that makes sense. Uh, why the, uh, the, the stats would be what they are. The percentage chance for each team to make the playoffs is what it is because the Metro, that third spot, and even the, the spots above it are still kind of open. So, for Montreal, this is what they have. As you say, it's a 50-50 shot. It's a coin flip, whether they get in or, or and I mean, with the other teams having two games in hand at, at this moment, I mean, that's that's going to be a, a very interesting thing to watch uh, down the stretch. So, yes, as we said, we were going to be asking you guys, we want to hear from you in our question of the week, has the California road trip hurt the Habs playoff chances? So we'll be reading those in the third segment. But right about now, I say it's time to dive in with some winners and losers. And now it's time for this week's winners and losers on the Canadians Connection. All right. So uh, will I get it started this week or do you want to get it rolling? Uh, go ahead. Why don't, why don't you start this week? All right. So this week, um, <laughs> a little bit difficult to pick a winner for this week. Uh, you know, the, it, the Montreal Canadiens went one and three. It's not always easy to find the, uh, the uh, bright spots, but one for me was that, and I mentioned this two weeks ago when Brendan Gallagher was my winner then, that he could pass his career high of 31 goals this season, and we saw uh, we saw this past week he got to 30 goals, and that's two straight seasons now where he's at 30 goals, and he's produced for the Montreal Canadiens effectively, and he's really, I mean, at the value that you're getting him with, with $3.75 million, that is such a great production value given what you're paying for Brendan Gallagher. And, you know, you get it all over that. You get it everywhere with Brendan Gallagher. You get a consistent effort. You kind of understand, you know, it wasn't necessarily, he did pick up an assist last night, but I mean, a lot of the times when the team doesn't look necessarily great, neither does, I mean, Gallagher at times can be a bit of a spark plug and be something that you can draw a little bit of energy from, but other times he's just not really there. But generally, I think when you look at Brendan Gallagher, you can't help but be satisfied with what he's put up this season, last season, and really his entire time as a Montreal Canadian. And, you know, unfortunately this week with, with three losses, I mean, there wasn't a, a whole lot of opportunity for people to shine, for players to really uh, make a statement. But for Gallagher getting that 30th goal of the season – and, and hopefully he uh, he surpasses his career high in goals and and he he gets to set a new career high and maybe get even maybe get closer to to 40 maybe get 35 40 might be a little bit out of reach at this point but even getting to that point and and just raising that bar a little bit more on a, for a guy that's had a really solid career here in Montreal I mean it, it's it's great to see Brendan Gallagher having uh, continued success and and hopefully down the stretch, I mean, we talk about the playoff opportunity, the playoff chances for the Montreal Canadiens. If they want to get somewhere, and, and we've a lot of the forwards for the Montreal Canadiens, we've talked about Tatar, we've talked about uh, Drouin and Domi, for better or for worse. Brendan Gallagher, I think, is the guy that you need to really be driving that bus. On, on the front line, as a forward, I think that's the guy that, I mean, with with, with Shea Weber and with Carey Price, obviously those guys are going to be uh, carrying the load. I think that Brendan Gallagher, if the Montreal Canadiens are going to get there, it's going to be on the back of this guy, at least for the forwards. 
I, I, I agree with that. And um, Brendan Gallagher had a four game scoring streak uh, uh, that was uh, snapped this week, but, but his effort and, and, and uh, I guess, I guess it was the San Jose game that I really liked um, that, that you'd see this, this um, crowd of, of sharks jerseys and, and, and sizable jerseys that is. Yeah. And then uh, somehow squeezing out through that uh, from the middle of the the grouping or the pile would be Brendan Gallagher with this silly grin on his face (laughs) that, you know, he had (laughs) caused some ruckus in front of the net or behind the net or, um, and he, he, he seemed to, um, yeah, he seemed to be enjoying uh, the opportunity to go against, uh, you know, Brent Burns or, or whoever it might be. Um, and that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's the kind of quintessential Brendan Gallagher uh, that, that uh, you like to see and that, that his teammates, um, um, you know, can use as an example. And I mean, it's, it's always with a smile on his face. He loves to get under the skin of his opponents, but I, but, you know, unlike other agitators, I don't ever, I, I never feel like he takes it too far. I think it's just, with a guy that's as competitive as he is, he's always got that, as you say, that smile on his face. Uh, he just enjoys the battle. So, uh, yeah, Brendan Gallagher this week, uh, my winner of the week. Um, so I guess we'll uh, shift gears and go towards uh, your winner of the week for the week. I I, um, I picked Shea Weber. And, um, uh, you know, there was some question about uh, Shea Weber, whether uh, he was looking fatigued. and um, uh, some criticism and, and, uh, you know, even um, some people like Brian Wilde saying, you know, Shea Weber's not actually an, an, a number one uh, defenseman and, and uh, which surprised me. And um, uh, I, I, you know, I, I, uh, question, uh, Shea Weber is indeed a number one defenseman in the national hockey league. And, and, you know, uh um, ask Mike Babcock who he'd love to have on yeah. his team. Um, and, um, but I think the point is that Shea Weber is not a number one and a number two defenseman all wrapped up in one. It's tough. It's tough making yeah. up for the fact that there's, um, we love uh, Victor Meta, but, but he's not a number two defenseman. And, and no. so that causes um, an extra burden on Shea Weber. And for the most part, he's, he's handled that. There was a bit of a, like I say, I, th- I think he was looking fatigued there for a while, but he's he's uh, come back. Um, he, he scored twice this week, got a power play goal. Um, uh, he's even though he missed uh, all those games at the beginning of the season, just forty. Um, how many games has he played? Forty-five games played. Um, he's tied for the uh, Canadians' lead in terms of power play goals with uh, Gallagher and Tatar. Um, and he scored his 200th uh, career goal this week. Um, so it seemed like a, a, a good time to um, give the captain his due and, uh, and name him uh, my winner of the week. Yeah. And, and, you know, I saw that there this morning. It's tough. I can see both sides of that argument because I think that there is, I think there's some fatigue there with Shea Weber. And I think that's natural because my goodness, he, he missed, as you say, he's only played, around 40 games, but when he came back, he had been gone for about a year. And now he's, it's just looking like now 
he's starting to wear down a little bit. I'm not going to say that he's wearing down, but given what he's been through, given how big his workload has been since he's returned, it's not surprising that he's going through what he's going through right now. It's, as you say, he scored, you know, he scored last night. He scored, uh, you know, he's scoring enough that it's not, you know, it's making up for the fact that it seems like he's getting, you know, out hustled in his own zone a little bit. Not, I'm not going to say that he's being outworked, but I think that there's some fatigue there. I think there's some signs of fatigue and that's normal for a guy you know, that's on the other side of 30, and that is coming off a knee injury that, that really, I mean, he hadn't played for almost a year. Now he's gotten the, he's got a huge workload. He has to play with guys that, quite frankly, aren't of, you know, aren't that caliber of a defenseman that, that can really play alongside him for long periods of time. He's just kind of got a, a revolving door of defensive partners on, on his left side. So, I think this is all natural, and and quite frankly, I mean, I have to agree. I think that this that Shea Weber is, has provided so much for this team this season that you know you have to take the highs, that you have to take some of the bad with the good sometimes. And I mean, for a guy that's that's like Shea Weber, like coming off the injury that he that he is coming off of, you know, off of that, and given the workload that he's been given since it's hard not to imagine that at some point Shea Weber was going to go through something like this and the Montreal Canadians, it just makes it more glaring that they don't have anyone that can really take that low that can really step in with, with Shea Weber a little bit fatigued. I'm not going to say that he's, uh, you know, hurt or anything that some people are speculating, but it, he looks like he's coming off a, of an injury that, that he missed almost a year of playing, which, which happened. He, he can, you know, you can kind of cut him some slack a little bit there, especially given that who's, who's going to take those minutes. I mean, Jeff Petrie, will take the good with the bad, but oftentimes not quite kind of where you want him to be, especially if he's going to be given that responsibility. So Shea Weber, I mean, you can't really fault him for what's going on. And, and I think that it's, it's, it's right to give him some, some respect with the winner of the week. So, so now we get to the <laughs> now yeah. we get to the bad part and and I think there was there was lots of candidates this week. Um, you, you might agree with that. I I would say. Absolutely, I would. Yeah. Um, so you know, I I um, um, there was Jonathan Duran. Um, uh, Jonathan Duran is. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think he's he's uh, you know the the production um over the last 15 games or so there was uh uh you know there was a four point game in there but as far as scoring goals as far as uh being on the ice giving up goals as far as looking disinterested as far as <laughs> having a great seat to watch um, watch some go he's 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 been dreadful and and uh bounced down to the third line and then back up uh, to the first last night, and we'll probably talk about that when when we talk in our second segment about some of the decisions that have been made. Um, yeah. But uh, all the all of the talk, and and I realize he he only played one game, uh, but all of the talk uh, this week, uh, and I certainly couldn't ignore it. Um, listening to uh, and and responding to our listeners, uh, who it was just all about Anti Niemi and. Um, Anti Niemi was, uh, you know, the the goals that he let in against, 
um, San Jose were, uh, were, were, were incredibly weak. Um, but it was, it was even the, the saves that he made, uh, and, yeah. and looked very shaky doing that, that, um, now, and, you know, and during the broadcast in the second and third period, uh, Craig Button was, uh, uh, as, as the color guy was trying to, you know, oh, he's bounced back and he's had a, well, he didn't, he didn't, <laughs> um, no. Nehemi didn't have a, a good rest of the game, um, you know, he, he, you could find fault with, uh, with each of the goals that he gave up. Uh, but, but for me, it was, it was also how uncomfortable he looked, how shaky he looked, uh, how fortunate he looked when, when making saves. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's really scary, uh, when it comes down to it, uh, that the Canadians are in this position, uh, where they cannot trust, uh, their backup goaltender and and the Emmy, uh, you know this isn't a recent problem. Uh, this goes back to as we've said many times. This goes back to uh, the preseason. He didn't look good at all during the exhibition schedule, and um, um, you know with a goals against uh, presently of three seventy eight, a save percentage of just eight eighty seven. Um, he's he's really really struggled. Um, and, and I guess, you know, I've, I've talked about it a number of times. Um, the quality starts, um, yeah. indicator, um, and just, just four of, of Auntie Niemi's, um, 17 starts have been deemed quality. And, and it's not a, it's not a, it's, it's, it's actually a, a, a statistic, um, that, uh, that is developed to, to, to measure that. Um, and so, uh, there's also the percentage of starts that were quality, uh, at 235, that's, that's what it works out to. Um, yeah. um, he has one of the, uh, well, not one of, he has the lowest, um, uh, quality start percentage in the entire league. Uh, and, and he ranks 77th in the league, uh, in that particular category. Um, so it's, it's, it's difficult for, uh, Claude Julien and, and, uh, we, we've talked about this before, how, how, uh, the Canadians were very fortunate that Stefan Waite was able to patch him all together last season <laughs> and get some decent starts out of him after a horrific start. Uh, and they should have just, you know, counted their blessings and said, you know, whew. We made it through. Thanks. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, good luck. See ya. Uh, but <laughs> you know, I, I think trying to, um, trying to maybe, uh, prove what a good decision it was to sign him. They, they, or bring him aboard, um, last season, they signed him to a, an extension and that was clearly, I, I hope there, there isn't anyone, who still thinks that was a good decision. It was a horrible decision. Um, and, um, you know, as we've said many times, the smart move uh, would have been to have Charlie Lindgren uh, for the, the, the full season uh, as the Canadians backup this year and uh, have said so long to Auntie Niemi because now they're in a, the Canadians are in a difficult position uh, with the remaining games left that, how can you trust Antti Niemi um, 
And, you know, um, there's, there's, uh, are you, are you going to let Carey Price start all the rest? I mean, that's putting him, that's putting him in the 65, 60 range. And, and, um, uh, you know, Stefan Wade had said 55, 56, that's more ideal. Um, yeah. I mean, look at last season, um, Hellebuck and uh, I, I don't have it in front of me. I think it was Flurry um, were tied for the most starts in the in the season at 67. So Price is going to be right there. Uh, yeah. And with the injury time off in a in a kind of a condensed time period, that's a that's a lot of work, particularly uh, when you're interested in keeping your goaltender fresh for the playoffs and um, uh, avoid, um, you know, potential injury and that, and that sort of thing. So, uh, Antony yeah. Emmy has, um, you know, he's, he's, he's struggled, um, and he isn't providing the, 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 the quality, uh, starts to, to, to give Carey Price, uh, uh, the rest that, uh, that he needs. Yeah. And I mean, this could end at any point. They could, they could call up Charlie Lindgren today, tomorrow, the day after, it doesn't matter. This could end at any point, and it just doesn't feel like it will because Antiniemi was the guy that they signed. We're going to stick it with him. We're going to just be – we're going to be stubborn for the sake of being stubborn about this, even though his numbers suggest that he might not be able to play at this level anymore. And, I mean, this is three straight weeks where he's been a focus, you know, and not, not for good reason. He's, he's been on this podcast being talked about and it's being shown on Twitter because people are talking about this. This is an issue. And, you know, it goes back to decision-making and, and this whole thing reminded me, if you, if you'll indulge me for a moment, going back five years, almost, do you remember a game March 24th, 2014, where Peter Budai made 28 saves in a two, one shootout win over the Boston Bruins who were at that time, a better team than the Montreal Canadiens. They had 49 wins in late March. That felt to me, he was, Peter Budai in that game was a sacrificial lamb. Whatever was going to happen in that game was going to happen. And the Montreal Canadiens just needed to give Carey Price a rest. This felt to me a lot like that. That San Jose game where you throw in Antiniemi in a familiar environment, one where he played in before and had some level of success. And you just hope that he can find something, something that he can just get through a game and maybe even give you an opportunity to win. And he didn't do that. And that's the problem because you're going to be going down the stretch with Carey Price and a guy that you cannot trust to put in any situation. And that is, you know, obviously with the playoffs, I mean, you're, you're going to be playing Carey Price more often than not, but you still need to give him some rest. And as you say, 67 games, he's going to be right up around there. And that is not ideal for a goaltender that, I mean, last season with his, you know, his injuries, and this season, earlier this year, when you go back to that game, you know, that back-to-back Colorado-Arizona, that week after, we didn't see a whole lot of Carey Price because he had some nagging knee problems. He had some uh, lower body issues that I don't think they were really, um, they were really addressed. Uh, I mean, well, at least by the coach or by anyone, really. I mean, they were just kind of, okay, well, you know what? Carey Price is healthy now. He's going to go back and he's going to play, and we're just going to ride him until the end of the season. So, you know, this is a bit of a concern, obviously, for the Montreal Canadiens because it's one thing that you, you know, you want to get to the playoffs, but you're thinking about career longevity for a guy like Carey Price. You're thinking about 
next season and the year after as well. So it'll be uh, it'll be something to watch as uh, you know as as you say. I mean, this is uh, Antony Emi is not really someone that as you've seen and saw against uh, the San Jose Sharks that can be really trusted to do much at this point. So uh, we'll have to see how many games he gets down the stretch uh, for uh, the stretch drive to the playoffs. So with all that said, I guess it'll be time, just about that time for a break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to discuss, as, as Rick alluded to, we're going to be talking about some decision-making and, uh, and Claude Julian in particular. And uh, we'll be talking about maybe uh, his very touch in the Emmy, who was a healthy scratch for two of those games on that West Coast trip. So stick around. We'll be talking about that after this. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas. Sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are located in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. And we're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast. And now's about the time where we're going to talk about Claude Julian and decision-making and things that transpired this week that maybe we didn't necessarily agree with. And, you know, this was obviously with the West Coast trip. This has not been a uh, – historically, this has not been a trip that's been very kind to the Montreal Canadiens. And it didn't necessarily help that some of the decisions made by Claude Julian – seemed a little bit questionable. I mean, I mean, th- that's why I'm a coach and that's why you're a reporter, right? Because I get to make those decisions. So <laughs> there was that. And, uh, well, okay. So Rick, let me, let me just hand this over to you for a second. Um, <laughs> that doesn't necessarily put Flo Julian in, in the best light, but what do you make of that in response to some of his, uh, questionable decision-making 
Well, listen, uh, and, and that was a while ago, uh, to be fair, to, yeah. in response to Arpan Basu. But it, it shows the kind of attitude. Um, you know, one, one of Claude Julien's uh, famous uh, favorite phrases <laughs> when, when he's uh, asked to explain things that he doesn't really want to explain to you know, the, the peons that are, <laughs> are the reporters is he will say, it's called coaching. Um, and, um, I, I think that <laughs> it, it was funny. I, I know, uh, um, we normally do, uh, the bad tweets, um, in the, in the third segment. Um, but there was a tweet this, this week that, that got me thinking because, um, uh, Joel Joshua Gabby, um, and, um, yeah, he was, uh, you know, there was a lot of criticism about, um, um, Claude Julian and, uh, he sat, uh, uh, yes, Barry for two games, made him watch for the press from the press box for the first time this season. He blamed it on, um, uh, fatigue that the youngster wasn't, uh, used to playing, uh, the kind of schedule that, uh, that he, that he's played. Uh, of course, when you know the the, the logical question is to ask Kaganyemi, and he said, "No, I'm not tired at all." Um, but th- so that there was some controversy about about him him um, uh, Kaganyemi sitting, and um, Joel Joshua Gabe said on Twitter, "Don't blow the Kaganyemi situation out of proportion." Um, he's going to be the foundation of the Canadians for the decade. Julian knows what he's doing. Do you tell a doctor or a lawyer how to do their job? Stop. And it, it just reminded, I, you know, talking to my mom, I, I'd, you know, and she'd say, oh, you have to listen to everything that the doctor says. And I said, well, you can ask them questions. You can question them. You can make them explain. Yeah. You can. <laughs> um, and I'd say, you know, um, uh, 50% of the doctors graduated in the bottom half of the class. And she'd be like, she'd be like what? Are you serious? It's, how do you know that? And it's like, well, it's just logic. It's just mathematics. It's just, you know, fifty uh, percent of 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 uh, doctors graduated in the bottom half of their class. There are some bad doctors out there. There are some <laughs> there are some bad coaches out there. There are some coaches who make bad decisions. And Claude Julian, you know, for all the praise he gets, um, he hasn't won anything since two thousand ten. Um, and the NHL was a very different place at that time, um, yeah. and and a, a different style of game. Um, so, uh, are 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 we going to question some of Claude Julien's decisions? Are we going to question uh, Mark Bergevin's uh, seven-year plan or whatever he's into now? Of course <laughs> we are. Of course we are. Um, and 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 that's that's only right. Uh, um, you know, there, there's lots of people out there this week saying, oh, well, you know, what the ex- expectations were at the beginning of the season. Just be happy with the season they've had. No, no, not at all. Not when there's an opportunity for more with, with yeah. smart decisions. And um, the expectations at the beginning of the season, let's throw them out the window. Because for five months now, the Canadians have been – more or less um, um, training their 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 fans that they're going to be in the playoffs. They've essentially been uh, a playoff team for most of the season, or in the in the ballpark. 
Um, So those expectations are readjusted. And when, when decisions are made um, and, you know, uh, this week seemed to, to highlight most uh, Kakanyemi sitting Kakanyemi, um, the, the, the goaltender starts, why did Niemi start uh, when he did? Why did Price start when he did? Um, the, 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 the power play, what's, what's going on with the power play? Um, the fourth line with Bergevin, was that really an upgrade? Because they've been terrible. Um, the, the doing nothing at, the, at the, the trade deadline, nothing to help their team. Uh, the team and and it seems that the the players are are reacting in kind they're not doing anything to help their chances to make the playoffs so all of these all of these things are um are are worthy of being questioned and um you know we we just can't take this as gospel um you know he knows what he's doing uh, because coaches make mistakes too, and Claude Julien has been making mistakes since he won the Stanley Cup. And if we 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 remember for a minute, Claude Julien was because of of his coaching ch- tactics was on the verge of being fired before yep. he, uh, he saved his job by winning the Stanley Cup. So uh, his his decisions and his methods. Uh, aren't aren't necessarily universally uh, uh, accepted. Um, so I, I mean, uh, if you want to go through all of these these uh, uh, decisions that were made, particularly this week, um, happy to do that. But 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 I just wanted to get the point out. Uh, coaches can be questioned, just like doctors yeah. and lawyers. And, and sorry to agree, disagree uh, with uh, <laughs> with our with our uh, Twitter friend. Yeah, and you also remember he was also on the verge of being fired in 2013. If they had lost to the Toronto Maple Leafs in the first round, he was going to be fired. So that's twice. That was two times in his stint with Boston, and obviously the third, you know, after he had gotten fired and then hired about a week or so later by the Canadians. So, yeah, like, I think I've been complimentary of of Claude Julien this season because I think – it, a lot of coaches, a lot of people are in sports, you see them sometimes go down with the mentality that they're not going to change. They're going to stay exactly the same because they had some level of success with the way that they, they have been doing things for years. And Claude Julien this season, the Montreal Canadiens are not playing the typical brand of hockey that is associated with Claude Julien. However, in spite of all of that, there have been times this week where it, it feels like he's overcomplicating things to, you know, and, and it goes back to, as you mentioned, the goaltenders, the goaltending starts. I mean, I, I might flip flop Carey Price and, and Antiniemi, but given Carey Price's workload, I don't know if you can necessarily do that. It, it's, it's tough to say, but that's also a decision that he's had a hand in making whether or not Carey Price is starting when he's starting and playing back to back games on uh, two consecutive times. Uh, you know, it, like, that to me is, is the part of it that that just I don't I, I, I just can't understand why Claude Julien is, is making these types of decisions. And another one that was really strange last night was playing Jesperi Kutkaniemi in his return to the lineup with Jordan Wheel. Jordan Wheel, who replaced Kutkaniemi in the in the lineup, 
in the LA game and the San Jose game, he had never played with Jordan Wheel all season. They, he just got him. He doesn't know the guy. He, he barely had a chance to know or meet him playing with him on his right wing. You know, our, our Wheel on Kakanyemi's right wing, I mean. And you have Armia playing on the fourth line who, I mean, that was the guy that got a hat trick just last week and has been one of Montreal's best possession players all season with Cut Kanyemi as a duo. And you finally get Lekkinen back up there, but it just feels like, you know, for the sake of not playing them all together, he had Armia down on the fourth line. There, It just feels like he's overcomplicating things at this point in the season. And that is never a good thing. Because if you try to think, you know, if you're looking past the obvious answers, trying to look at maybe what would be or what could be if you do it differently, then that's where you start to walk into some dangerous, uh, you know, some this this could get very bad for the Montreal Canadiens because they've done things a certain way all season. And now it feels like he's got the blender out when he doesn't necessarily need to do that. If you just kind of if you would just, you know, go back to what was successful at points during this season. And maybe, I mean, obviously with, with Carey Price, you can never really, uh, with, with the way that he might have to play or the way that he might be relied upon down the stretch, it, it's, it's tough. But I, I think that he's starting to overcomplicate things with his decision-making. Yeah, I think, um, you know, off-air, you, you had sent me a message and said, um, um, what's with the experimentation at this time of year? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's a good point. Uh, um, uh, um you might have expected him to sit uh, at some point in the yeah. you know the first 10 15 games 20 games uh, but now um, and when he came back uh, boy Kakanyemi didn't play very well last night and it and it was um, in my mind not necessarily because he was uh, rusty but he just looked very tentative he looked like yeah. his confidence was shaken um, and, and partly because, you know, I sat two games, what was I doing? Um, you know, what, what I, what had I done to deserve to be set out and, 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 uh, acknowledge that, that Kokinami wasn't, um, playing very well when, 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 uh, Julian, uh, decided to sit him out, but, but look at when, his his uh, decline, if you want to call it that, started. It was when Lekkonen was removed from his wing and and moved to the yeah. fourth line. That had had much more to do with it. And as you say, Armia and and Lekkonen, they're the workhorses on that line. They're the one. They're the possession monsters. They're the ones who um, have been very very good in in. Um, um, helping to generate any chances. Could Kotkaniemi have have uh, finished better? Of course, but I think that was starting to come. He was starting was. to shoot more. He was starting to get more confidence. He was trusting in his li- in his line mates. And at that point, then uh, out of the blue, Lekkonen is dropped to the to the fourth line. And I I think it was this the absolute nonsense uh, that was going on in, in the media, the count of, of his, his uh, uh, goal drought, which he, which he uh, uh, broke and, and, and yeah. eliminated. But, um, but um, you know, any, anyone watching um, could, uh, you know, see how hard he was working, how, how much he was um, creating chances. I'd much rather have that. Uh, someone who's going to give effort in all zones of the ice than a Jonathan Duran. And it just seemed that 
that Lekkonen was getting uh, unfairly treated. It was kind of the look over here. Uh, don't look at Drew and, and, and his look over here. This guy hasn't scored in a long time. Um, that the usual trick that's played and, and sadly, Claude Julian fell into that uh, the fourth line that seemed to shake uh, Kakinyemi. Um and, and he, he hasn't uh, now Lekkonen returned last night, but as you said, uh, wheels there and it seemed the sitting of the two games had had, had an, uh, a, a pretty negative effect on his confidence. And at this point in the season, you're taking a guy out of his rhythm and, and cut to Niemi for all that was for all that gets talked about him, not having uh, scored a goal on the, on the road this season. I mean, he had two assists against, uh, well, he had an assist against the Rangers on the Armia. The, I think it was the second goal for Armia and the, uh, the, an assist against Detroit as well. So he, he's performing on the road. He just hasn't scored. And, and that's not, you know, that's nothing to be worried about. I mean, fatigue, it, it was always, as you say, it was always going to be something to monitor with an 18-year-old. But for, for an 18-year-old, I mean, you don't necessarily have to worry about fatigue as much as a, as a 35 or a 34-year-old or someone that even around the age of 30 because they've, they've got a lot of energy. I know that they, they, he's played a lot of hockey this season, and you might want to, as you say, shut it down or not shut it down, but at least give him a bit of a break around the 20-year-so game mark but they didn't do that. And now they've, they've done it right now where he's actually played very well since January. I mean, but as you say, it, it kind of coincides, his little dip in production coincides with not having Lekkonen on that wing. And that is the first, in a, you know, in a series of, of mistakes that I've questioned or of, of decisions rather, not mistakes, but um, it's, it's the first in a series of decisions that Julian has made where I, I just kind of raise my eyebrow a little bit because Paul Byron, for all of his, he's got great speed. The thing about the Kakinyemi line that worked so well was that they were more of a possession line than anything else. They weren't necessarily a transition line. Kakinyemi's speed, not necessarily his greatest asset. Armia, not necessarily at that level, but I mean, he's, he's certainly somebody that, you know, he's, he's not, uh, even though he's big, he can move fairly well, but that's not the strength of those guys. And Paul Byron, he loves to get out and go and, and, find opportunities in transition but that wasn't what was making that line successful and that just it just never fit and I know that Paul Byron you want to get him in a role where he can uh, produce offensively but at the expense of a line that was working fairly well together and generating a lot of scoring chances and opportunities I don't think Paul Byron's that kind of player and I think that he would have been far it would have been much better for him to play on the fourth line with, with guys that, you know, I mean, he, he, I know that the fourth line is the fourth line and a lot of people don't think that, you know, a fourth line can produce, but it can. And I think Paul Byron could have done a lot for that. And, and if not there, then potentially, you know, if injuries come up or if you want to, uh, you know, experiment as Claude Julian has been, then you can move him up to the second line or, you know, potentially the first line. But for, for that line, that finish line, it was working so well together, and that was the first mis- the first thing that I kind of questioned. I'm not going to say it was a mistake, but it, it was a little bit of a of a questionable decision at that point, given how much you were getting from those guys in terms of effort and and generating positive, if, if nothing else, generating positive feelings as a as a team. You kind of come off the ice and and you 
when those guys are on, they're going to control most of the, of the, of the puck. So for me, that was the first in, in a, in a series of, of just questionable mistakes from Claude Julian. And this has kind of led to this, to this point here on that West coast road trip where you saw Kukkiniemi sitting out a couple of games and then playing with Jordan Wheel, who we didn't know. And, you know, this, yeah, like, as I said, it, it's, it's a lot of experimentation for a point in the season where you can't really afford to be doing any of that. You've got to have this stuff figured out well in advance. But the Kukkiniemi line was more than, than with uh, the, the finish line, with, with Armia and Lacken, and was more than just a, you know, a feel-good kind of line, they were also yeah. really tough to play against. And and if you look at goals against per 60, um, uh, Duran, uh, by far the worst forward uh, in, in that regard on the Canadians, um, at um, uh, 3.3 goals, uh, um, goals against per 60, not too far off of that is the guy that who's supposed to be the quote-unquote shutdown uh, center, 3.1 goals against per 60 from uh, Philip Deneau. Uh, yet, if you look at um, uh, Kakinyemi, one of the best, uh, one of the best forwards uh, on the Canadians, 2.0 goals against per 60. And, and there was an a, a, a article in The Athletic this week uh, from Oliver Bouchard, I think, um, uh, who was talking about Kukniemi for the Selkie uh, and, <laughs> and making the statistical case for that. Um, yeah. And, and uh, that line was, like I say, difficult to play against, very difficult to play against because they always had the puck. Uh, they yeah. forechecked hard. Um, the offense uh, was starting to come, um, but, but uh, you know, on the other hand, they weren't giving up goals. Uh, that was a, a, a strange decision. The goaltending starts. Um, why are you starting? Um, you know, we, we talked about this before. Why are you starting uh, Niemi against the Sharks? Um, particularly when we know uh, the Sharks were without Evander Kane. They were without Eric Carlson. The whole team was ravaged by the flu. Uh, Burns and Couture were the were the most, uh, but flu was rampant through, and and we saw uh, Burns was a shell of himself in that game. Uh, why not start Carey Price there? Uh, the the Canadians came screaming out of the gates. They played well. The only reason they lost that game was because of Antti Niemi. Um, yeah. And and start Carey Price there, and and then uh, follow it up um, in Anaheim uh, with uh, with. Uh, uh, and uh, with Antiniemi, then uh, you know Carey Price would have had a couple of days off till Tuesday until the Detroit game. Um, I thought, uh, you know, that was a, a weak decision by by Julian and Co. Um, and related to that is is uh, and we've talked about this here. Why didn't um, if if goaltending was was such an issue? Uh, we talked about uh, Charlie Lindgren being uh, up with the team all season long. If if you didn't want any of those things to happen, why didn't you go out and get a goaltender um, yeah. at the deadline? And, uh, you know, you see on Twitter, uh, um, most people are talking about uh, Keith Kincaid, uh, who was acquired for a, a, a fifth-round pick uh, by Columbus. Oh, okay, uh, it shows how, how little it took to, to get goaltending help. Um, 
Kincaid wouldn't have been my guy if uh, we're talking about quality starts. Um, Kincaid only has 15 quality starts out of 38 this this season. That's a that's a quality start percentage of 395. Not very good. Um, and and his you know his uh, goals against is 336. His save percentage is 891. Um, goals saved above average. He's a minus 21. I, I don't think Kincaid was the guy. But who – we were thinking back um, – uh, when you think back to previous podcasts, and when we're looking at guys that Bergevin ahead of the trade deadline could have targeted, targeted do you remember who I mentioned that might be a goaltender that the Canadians could use? I think I do. Was it a Brian Elliott? Exactly. <laughs> um, Brian Elliott from the Philadelphia Flyers, who has been, uh, you know, uh, his season is cut short by injury, and and we know the Flyers going through eight goaltenders, but now with people uh, coming back, they they have a glut of goaltenders. Elliott is uh, is a uh, uh, a at the end of the year. Uh, he's not in their plans going forward. He was, it was widely known, the Flyers let it be known around the league that he was available um, and um, uh, prior to the deadline. And um, if you look in the, the, the Philadelphia Beat reporters uh, uh, prior to the deadline, it wouldn't have take, taken all that much to um, acquire him. Elliot, talking about quality starts, 11 quality starts uh, of 18. Um, his, his quality start percentage is, is one of the highest in the league at six eleven. Um, his stats, right. nine sixteen save percentage, uh, sorry. Yeah. Nine sixteen save percentage, two sixty five goals against, um, he would have been, he would have been a guy that you would have been confident, uh, throwing, you know, uh, a handful of starts at, uh, to, to, uh, let carry price. Uh, rest um, um, and particularly in the in the in the back-to-back situations. Yeah, um, and you know, if it, it, it's been one of those uh, moves that if you're taking um, uh, Elliot off the hands of the Flyers and helping them out and 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 absorbing his cap hit, that maybe you could have uh, uh, brought brought in a younger player as well. Um, there's a there's a questionable decision by by uh, uh, Mark Bergevin. Uh, all of these, these questionable decisions in the Canadians organization, um, yes, Joel, uh, uh, we're, we're going to question, we're going to question the coach and we're going to question the gen- general manager today. Yeah. And I mean, that's the kind of thing where you, you need to look at things because chemistry, I mean, I know that chemistry is important, but it's not the only thing that you have to account for. And, and I think Brian Elliott could have uh, really helped out, as you say, on, on back-to-back scenarios with a guy that you can actually trust. And, and that's, that's fun. That's nice to be able to trust your backup goalie every now and then. So yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been a rough couple of weeks, I think for the Montreal Canadiens with regards to uh, decision-making, at least as we sit here now. And uh, you know, it, there's still time to make that up, but at the same time, you're running out of you're running out of time, and and you're in the playoff race right now. It's 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 crunch time. This is why you this is why you compete for a playoff spot to be where you are right now. And the Montreal Canadiens, it just kind of feels like they're hurting themselves a little bit with every decision that gets made. So, 
we'll have to see how things shake out with regards to the playoff race. And then potentially when we're, uh, when we're talking about this next time, it could be because the Montreal Canadiens have made a decision that has helped them make the playoffs or is not so much, or, you know, has, has not really helped them in that race. So uh, I guess we'll take a, uh, just a quick break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to dive into the responses for the question of the week. Has the California road trip hurt the Habs playoff chances? We've been getting responses ever since we've we tweeted that out. So we're going to get into those. And uh, yeah, we'll be right back after this. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fanning. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHab when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHab.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit Rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. back here on the Canadians Connection podcast. Uh, this is a rare Saturday where the Montreal Canadiens aren't in action. It, it, I was just saying, we were talking off the air, just, it, it feels weird that we're on talking about the Montreal Canadiens and they're not playing tonight. It's, it's a rare occurrence when that happens. As you mentioned earlier this show, and I'm just cluing into now, the Montreal Canadiens don't play until Tuesday when they're back home facing the Detroit Red Wings. So yeah, a couple of days off for the Canadians after their, uh, their road trip out west. But if you're looking for hockey tonight, um, that's where you turn to the AHL report team, um, AHL.report on the web or on Twitter, uh, the AHL report, at the AHL report. Uh, Chris G. will be in Place Bell. Um, Amy Johnson, our lead contributor, will be uh, on uh, manning the uh, the AHL reports uh, Twitter account as the, uh, the Laval Rocket hosts the um, Utica Comets tonight at uh, 
for them, a rare Saturday night game uh, with yeah. players being off. They've taken advantage of that. So need your hockey fix. Um, uh, <laughs> we do have Rocket Sports team uh, members uh, busy bringing coverage to you. Yep. Amy and Chris got you covered for uh, for hockey tonight, especially with the Montreal Canadiens not in action. You want to get some hockey. We'll follow them on Twitter, obviously. They're, they're going to give you all the Laval Rocket uh, insights and, and analysis. So, um I guess we'll dive in with the uh, with the question of the week, and I'll just remind our listeners of the question of the week for this week. Has the California road trip hurt the Habs' playoff chances? And we've gotten a lot of responses to this, and it's been kind of a mix. I mean, obviously, it's been a little bit more negative than we usually get with respect to the question of the week, but I feel like that's just kind of the consensus right now amongst Habs fans is that things are not going very well. And uh, we'll start with, with Chris G, our, our own Chris G, who you just mentioned is going to be with the uh, covering the LaBelle Rocket tonight. Habs are hanging on to a playoff spot. Lost points against non-playoff teams will hurt them. And he also kind of threw in this. Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. <laughs> the great so, Jim Mora. That is one of the most iconic uh, playoffs-related quotes of, I think, well, that's probably the most iconic playoff-related quote of all time. <laughs> so that one, we, uh, you know, we, we threw that in there because uh, in response to Chris saying uh, losses against non-playoff teams will hurt them, especially on the uh, stretch drive. And that is a good point if you're the Montreal Canadiens. And then we have uh, Sam, Samuel Gerber saying, uh, California showed a lot of flaws in the Habs that will be exploited even more in the playoffs. This offseason, Habs need to address the lefty situation and their power play. I want the Habs to make the playoffs more than anything. It's obvious they don't have what it takes. Tank for the draft. So, there's, mm. uh, yeah, so at this point, I mean, yes, I mean, it's it, maybe you've saw, we've seen some uh, neg- negative stuff over the past week or so with the Habs since that trade deadline, as you mentioned. So, it might be justified. And then we have Kevin uh, at Kevin3841. Of course, they have left so many points on the ice with three losses versus New Jersey, lost to the Ducks, and blowing third-period leads in multiple games versus Toronto. They, may, they just aren't ready, maybe next year. And, uh, you know, uh, Minnow54 at Minnow54, it didn't help. Get, get to be – got to be on a roll going into the playoffs. Excuse me. And uh, Franco Ibazo, uh, Frankie Bozo said that uh, lucky that other teams are losing too, which is a good point. The, the Carolina Hurricanes also lost. They gave up eight goals last night uh, against Winnipeg, though. So it was a little bit different than losing to Anaheim. Uh, you know, that losing eight to two to Anaheim is a little bit different than losing eight to one to the Winnipeg Jets, just given the, uh, the playoff seed, uh, the way that things are shaking out out West at this point. So, you know, a lot of different responses to this, but it seems as though people are looking at this as a, uh, and I, I, I forgot one, Sarah Rogers saying after the way they played at Anaheim, they should just give up playoff spot. If they get it, give it to a team that will at least try. Uh, so there's a little bit more of a, that's, that's kind of the way that things are shaking out on Twitter right now for the Montreal Canadiens. Well, uh, the folks that are chiming in on Facebook, and if you want to uh, uh, join in too, uh, just search for All Habs, all one word, All Habs, uh, on Facebook, and you can find our fan page, 
um, right there on Facebook. Uh, you can also text us anytime, day or night, uh, 5853 Rocket. Um, Spence McAvera on Facebook says uh, they weren't overly great as it is. So, yep, uh, they've hurt their chances. Uh, Richard Fraser says uh, the Habs have no heart and no grit. Watch Detroit wipe them out on Tuesday. Uh, Jerry Blank says what playoff chance? Okay, insert more. <laughs> um, Sean Ryan says, well, it certainly didn't help their chances. Um, uh, Sheldon Weisberg says, yes, this hurts, but we'll see how they bounce back starting with Detroit. This is a rebuilding year. So the team has basically exceeded relative expectations. Uh, sure. Sorry, Sheldon. I'm, I'm going to disagree with you there. Expectations uh, are, uh, are a moving thing uh, and, and they have been readjusted through the season. So um, um, I, I think to go back to, oh, well, they weren't going to be a, uh, you know, they were going to be a, 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 a pick, uh, you know, a team in, uh, in contention for the top pick. And now they're a playoff team. So we should be satisfied. Fans are never satisfied until uh, their team wins the cup. Yeah. Um, Scott Allen says, yes, they're done. It's a young <laughs> uh, building team uh, who've ran, run out of gas. Uh, Tyson Ryan says, why make the playoffs? Go for a draft pick. Uh, kind of agrees with Sam Gerber there uh, yeah. on Twitter. Um, uh, Nate James Harmon says, um, uh, what will determine if it hurt them will be how they handle the next five games. So he's looking forward. And Mark Stover is, is the optimist. He said, uh, they'll be fine. All right. Oh, let's, okay. let's, uh, it, you know, there's, there's a, a rose amongst the thorns there. He's, uh, he's very positive and he's looking for a playoff, uh, looking forward to the playoffs. And uh, we're going to have a better, much better picture on, uh, Tuesday, as I said, yeah. uh, Pittsburgh and Carolina and Columbus will all have made up the games in hand they have, and uh, we'll we'll see what what happens with uh, the Canadians and and uh, where they are by the time they uh, drop the puck uh, for the game against the Red Wings on Tuesday. You know, it's always good to have someone that's looking on on the uh, bright side of life. So you know, we got a lot of a lot of people that are saying that the Montreal Canadiens are done or or things of that nature. So it's good to hear the other side of that, uh, whether or not it's, uh, you know, they might, he might be uh, outmanned in that, uh, in that respect with other people saying that maybe the Montreal Canadiens are, are done this season, but it's good to have some uh, optimism nonetheless. So I guess we'll, uh, we'll probably wrap this one up because this has been a, uh, this has been a pretty long show, pretty jam packed show full of, information and uh and talk about the montreal canadians decision making and such so is there anything you'd like to say before we uh we get there though rick well i just want to invite everybody to um to check out our coverage allhabs.net go to allhabs.net there you can find um some great uh content um uh, adding to that every single day uh, and and featuring our um our podcasts uh, we have four podcasts uh, via Rocket Sports Radio, uh, and you can find each and every podcast. Uh, just click the podcast tab at allhabs.net. If you happen to be on the go, um, uh, just check out your your favorite podcast platform. Uh, search for Rocket Sports Radio. You can get this podcast, that, that is the Canadian's Connection. 
You can get Habilisten with Lewis and Gibby. You can get Habs Unfiltered Podcasts with Matt and Blaine. And you can get From the Press Box uh, with Amy Johnson and myself uh, with a focus on prospects and uh, the uh, the American Hockey League. Yeah. So, yeah, follow uh, – search for Rocket Sports Media, uh, Rocket Sports Radio and subscribe, and that can be done on all of your favorite podcast platforms, iTunes, Overcast, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And you can be, be sure to follow the uh, Canadian Connection podcast on, all, on the social media platforms at Habs Connection. That's on Twitter, Instagram, and there's Facebook as well. And then you've got me at Joe Whalen 19 on Twitter, and you got Rick Manning, the All Habs account. So give all of those a follow. And as Rick mentioned, you got a lot of great content coming out of the uh, out of allhabs.net, including the four podcasts that you can subscribe to on your favorite podcasting platforms. So I guess with all that said, we'll wrap this thing up and we'll be right back with you next week discussing all of the things that are related to the Montreal Canadiens, potentially how the playoff race has kind of shook it, has kind of uh, changed in the week, or maybe it hasn't changed at all. We'll be talking about all of that next week. That'll be at 1 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 Newfoundland time. We'll be right back with you then. Thank you for tuning into the Canadiens Connection. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs Connection and visit allhabs.net.